Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast race edition. No more previews. No more ifs, buts, whens, maybes, whatever. We're talking about Formula One and the Austrian Grand Prix. My name's Matthew Gallagher and joining me once again in the podcast booth in the virtual world. I look to you now, Tommy Bellingham. How are you? I'm so good. I'm buzzing to talk about Formula One and buzzing to talk about one of the best races we've had in a long time. So, well, any race we've had in a long time, but what a race. I cannot believe we had that race. I was I was here ready to talk about on this podcast going, oh, well, guys, remember it was a Mercedes one too, but we just need to be grateful that F1's back. And instead, what a banger. A banger it was. Uh, we do love a banger. And this, ex- <laughs> I mean, my good... No, but- to be fair, halfway through, it was quite good. But then it just got so juicy with 15 to 20 laps to go. And, well, the rest is history. Let's start with some three-word race reviews then. Geek Maud says, what just happened? Aki underscore AE86, F1 is back. Matt underscore Hendo dot JPEG, completely, utterly unpredictable. <laughs> F1 meme with a three, worth the wait. And Samimari 8, best race ever. I think it's quite... A unanimous decision, isn't it, that people thought it was a pretty good race, eh? It was uh, very full of controversy, full of incidents, full of mechanical issues. It felt like it was 1960, which is what I kind of mentioned in the internet's best reactions. And, well, Tommy, let's start with your three-word race review. I think uh, you you liken it to another another race. Indeed. My three-word race review is just like Interlagos. And that is because... Ooh. Ooh. Um, it's, it's funny though because I think a lot of people jinxed Alex Albon. I think you did a tweet along the lines of something like Albon's going to go for the dive bomb. Yep. And I tweeted, yeah, and I tweeted on the WTF1 account uh, before the safety car restart. This reminds me of Interlagos 2019, and that was before the incident, which made it even more like Interlagos 2019, which was of course the race that Albon. Um, had his incident last time but it is crazy how similar those two races are because like you mentioned at the start of this podcast the race was i'd say good not great uh during the kind of the early stages and the mid the mid stages but that late safety car just like interlagos yeah chaos again exactly the same and who could have believed that just like interlagos hamilton and albon would come together and a McLaren would end up on the podium because of a five-second penalty from Lewis Hamilton. It's 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 crazy the similarities between the two races. Yeah, it is, and I think also it it was almost. I think uh, last race Austria was better than Brazil when you look at it at a halfway stage. It was much more action-packed, I think, than Brazil was because Brazil was very boring up until the safety car, if, uh, if my mm. memory serves me correctly. Uh, whereas, yeah, we'd had a decent race with Austria and I was quite happy, you know, okay, the Mercedes had been, been told not to, not to, you know, not to race and, and, and there we have it. You know, we're all good. We can, we can chill now. But uh, it didn't turn out that way with a late safety car, as you say. Uh, at Roxy011 says, people say that Albon should have waited with the overtake on Hamilton, but waiting isn't the thing but waiting isn't the thing. I'm, I'm assuming that means, but isn't waiting the thing that is killing motorsport? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, what What do you think about the collision? Uh, penalty was fair, or maybe it should be higher. Now I'm sure there will be a lot of you in the comment section right now 
typing, disagreeing with me, disagreeing with Tommy, whatever. Everybody's yep. allowed their own opinion, remember. That's uh, the way of the world and the free free speech. But let's start with the first first uh, point was around Albon should have waited. I think he he put he's put he's, he's always putting his car at risk, isn't he? Uh when when he's going around the outside and you would think maybe he'd have taken the learnings from Brazil and use the opportunity that he would have absolutely got, maybe even on the next lap with DRS going down towards turn three. So I agree that Albon should have waited. That was always a move, especially on a six-time Formula One world champion. It's it's And you've collided with him before last year. Just, just He had like 10 or 12 laps as well. So there was a more than enough time in the tank. Bottas, Bottas was only just down the road. So what do you think to that point, Tommy? Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange one because I I'm very much at the uh, I mean I love a I love a lunge I love watching an overtake that's why yeah. I like the drivers that I do but yeah they for me that is exactly why Red Bull have gone with Alex Albon and not Pierre Gasly he's willing to go for the moves and fair play to him well it was Austria wasn't it last year that we saw. Gasly not being able to get past was it Raikkonen I think at the time yeah yeah exactly so at the end of the day Red Bull will be happy with what Alex did he's he's showing to them let's be honest he's not going to win the championship this year so he he's he's willing to show that he's going to go for moves and he saw that first win we were all saying it all of Twitter was saying it he's on the soft tires he could win this race Mercedes are on the back foot but I do I do agree he should have he should have waited. I, I can see totally why he went for the move and hindsight is a wonderful thing. DRS was coming up. Um Yeah, because he did that yeah. move without DRS. Without DRS. Which just showed how much purchase he got off of turn uh, turn three. And I guess shows how much how, how much better his tires were. And while there's the argument that his tires he would have lost the tire advantages sooner enough not not that quickly that he couldn't have maybe done it in a couple of laps when he'd got drs and breezed past them on the straight so it's a little bit it's it's a little bit of album's fault for maybe going for an over ambitious move what i will say um and we'll go into who we think's fault it was later i'm very surprised lewis hamilton um kind of put his car there and what didn't just give up the position when he is going for the world championship. Cause what we say about Albon is, well, he wants to win the race. He's going to go for it. And, um, Dan, our, our website editor actually wrote a very interesting piece on this and went back to the quotes that Hamilton said in 2019, uh, no, sorry, 2018 Brazil when Ocon collided with Verstappen and, and Hamilton said to Verstappen, didn't he? you had a lot more to lose. You have to know when to back out. And it's funny that he didn't really take his own advice there because Hamilton could have let Albon go. Albon could have got Bottas and then the gap would have been even smaller between Bottas and Hamilton in the point standings when, let's be honest, it looks like the championship is going to be between those two. So, yeah, a a very strange one. But for me, it's hard racing. What what do you reckon? It's a good point you make in terms of um, the whole Hamilton... Know, potentially relinquishing the position, but I I think almost potentially Hamilton underestimated what Albon was going to do there because when you look at the replay, 
he's obviously full lock the entire way. Uh, and we'll go into the penalty in a set. But, you know, he's full lock the entire way. And he doesn't want to crash with Albon. He tries to give him space. But at the same time, actually, let's dive into the next bit, which is what about the collision? Penalty, was it fair? Would it, Maybe it should have been higher. For me, I think the penalty was fair. I believe that Albon put himself in that position. Yep, he's, but he's more than entitled to not be hit by Hamilton in the position that he was in, where he was actually ahead coming out of the corner. Hamilton, as much as, yeah, he's as far turned on his steering wheel uh, as he can. I saw some ridiculous comments of people that clearly don't have any idea about <laughs> racing where they were saying, well, why didn't he just turn more? But yeah, that's not how it works. The, you don't the worst turn one, the worst one more. I've seen while you're mentioning, while, while you're actually mentioning that, just while I remember, the <laughs> I've seen so many where people screenshot and then colour in the bit of the track to the right of Hamilton and go, why yeah, can't he be here? Yeah, it's it's an off-camber downhill right-hander. If you yeah. know how racing cars go into corners, they do not hug the apex and then it's not as easy as just being able to go to that bit of the track. But exactly. That, that was never an option. And he tried to get as far over to the right as possible. I think maybe what the stewards thought there was obviously Albon's result at at the end of that, where he was in the gravel, Hamilton hit him essentially. But also I feel like watching the replay that Hamilton got back on the power. So everyone's saying, you know, he couldn't have turned anymore. But when you actually listen to the replay, and I might be wrong, I'm sure you guys will correct me if I am wrong. But for me, I feel like he gets on the power too early. And that's why he washes out just that slight bit more, tries to squeeze Albon. And I think it was Rosberg that said, I don't know if it was on German TV, I saw someone message me, again, this could be completely false information, but this is what I was told, uh, was that Rosberg said that Hamilton did get on the power too early to to squeeze and slide Albon out. So, And Rosberg knows all about squeezing people. Uh, yeah, Rosberg knows exactly how to do that. <laughs> so, um, so, so, yeah, for me, I think five seconds was fair. No more than that for Hamilton. As much as Albon's race was ruined, uh, I think that in my head five seconds is is what it deserves because it was a racing incident but at the end of the day it was more Hamilton's fault than it was Albon's and considering the two and how they ended up I think it's fair what, what do you think Tommy oh this is where we disagree um Go I... on, you're gonna say it's a racing incident and that Albon didn't deserve a pe- uh, that Hamilton didn't deserve a penalty absolutely I oh do, I... you are rubbish I do not understand how you can give a penalty for that that incident because Hamilton got back on the power yeah, but he's he he has every right to squeeze uh, Albon and give him a car's switch, which which he did, and I think Albon even himself admitted that he was already too focused on Bottas. I'm not saying it's Albon's fault in the slightest, yeah. but at the end of the day, two cars going side by side, neither of them needs to back out. They 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 just collide, and the thing that that frustrates me in these things is everyone's desperate to share screenshots of an incident that, that, that at put 200, them in a favorable yeah, position yeah and 200 miles an hour it's happening well, i don't think they were going 200 miles an hour well, Tommy. I mean, it's <laughs> happening it's happening in the blink of an eye though yeah, yeah and you can't it's easy it's easy to look at a screenshot and go why didn't hamilton just back out and turn his steering mm. wheel now we know it's all hindsight but they're going side by side into the corner Albon's going around the outside. And I th- to be fair, I think you are right that Albon, Hamilton was probably surprised how quickly Albon is going around the outside there. Yeah, I think we all he, were. I don't think yeah. anyone expected us to, to see that. It was a huge amount of grip difference. I think he accelerated um, 
I think he accelerated expecting him to just pull away again and then was like, oh, hang on. And then again, that's happening in 0.5 of a second and you have to react and the two came together. It, it is very much for me, I don't, I don't think it's 50-50, but I don't think you can penalise a driver who's not trying to ram someone off the track or... I did um, enjoy Albin's team radio saying that Lewis is a sore loser. That was... Yeah, although to be fair to him, I will... I will um, I think we've said it a number of times that it's hard to, in the heat of the moment, you're always going to think it's the other person's fault. Yeah. Because even Albon himself was, um, in the interview afterwards, he said that the Brazil one was 50-50. So he even changed his mind on that one now. If you yeah, like. that is interesting. Um, um, yeah, I, do, I, don't, I don't personally see how you can give a penalty for that. Um, don't, don't get me wrong, uh, and we'll go into this. I am very glad they did because of what happened uh, and it made the race incredible. So as a, as a neutral, mm. I am very happy that they gave Hamilton a penalty and also the fact that they did actually decide it on track so we didn't have a Carlos Sainz situation where waiting yeah. for someone on the podium. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I wonder if the stewards feel more... Because uh, obviously they have a rule book and they have the evidence, but do they feel forced because of... Albon and how he ended up I would like mm. to see or find out from the stewards whether or not if Albon was knocked off the road and carried on in fifth got back through whether Hamilton would still have got that penalty or if they judged it on the fact that Albon's race was ruined um, I, don't, I don't know if we saw those variables or what they what the exact wording was for uh, why they gave the penalty do, do you know uh, I'm not I remember looking at the stewards report. I don't know. I don't know off by heart, but I remember reading it thinking they've not really said why Hamilton's got a penalty there. More okay. just that. Just very vague colli- then. Just Lovely. they've collided and someone went off. But it's funny you mentioned that because I did see a funny point, And I guess this goes to the like Alonso karma thing. But the, the, the person um, that was complaining uh, complained the most about that in a race a couple of years ago was Hamilton that you shouldn't be allowed to get um you give someone a penalty and if they finish ahead of them that's not really fair um but we've had this discussion a few times that's that's kind of do you give a penalty for what is actually happening or do you penalize them because they're going to finish ahead of the person that they've collided with and someone's gone off so it's it's such a difficult one and mm. while while I'm while I believe it's a racing incident, I can see it from both perspectives. The only thing I can't see is, and and for me, this is just every uh, the kind of anyone but Hamilton win the championship brigade. Um, the only opinion I can't see is where people go, oh, we should have been disqualified or we should have got a drive-through penalty. Yeah. Like that's, that's ridiculous. I can, uh, you know, five second penalty is the most lenient penalty they can give him. So if they think he's gone over the line, that's the correct penalty to give. But personally, I believe it's a racing incident. Okay. All right. Agree to disagree. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think we're not so far we're off allowed. that we're not so far off of it that we can't see why the, the other yeah. person thinks that. I think yeah. that, you know, if it had been a racing incident, if it had, well, it was a five second penalty, I think at least people can understand the reasons behind it. Because as you say, I think Hamilton. We won't go on to this for too much longer, but Hamilton obviously understeered into Albon. So in my opinion, that you know that in itself is, I know that people will say racing incident, 
but also it ruined Albon's race. It's a five-second penalty. Anyway, I'm sure well, everyone will be going in the comment section arguing about it. Uh, I think I did a, tw- a, a poll on my Twitter and about 75% of people thought it was the five-second penalty. Whether or how many of those was actually the pure emotion of the fact Albon had his... Uh, potential win taken away from him who knows but uh, it's interesting to see that I think a lot of people over the course of the weeks might change their mind uh, back to a racing instant anyway moving on would Albon have won the race at Ryle Gale 18 if Albon did get past Hamilton how long do you think it would have taken him to get to Bottas two laps max it was done it was it was a win 100% that's what I had in my head anyway it's weird isn't it I mean Oh God! It would have been it would have been incredible to see. I'm absolutely gutted, gutted that it didn't happen because and, all, and also Bottas, sorry, Tommy. Before I before you go on, I, I do want to also just clarify on the Albon move that I think as much as you know he put himself in a tricky position, it was a stunning move. Like it was so good round the outside confidence. Obviously, the end result was Hamilton hitting him, but the actual move itself was daring and it was Verstappen esque. You have to say. Carry on, oh, Tommy. Oh yeah. Oh, I will. I will agree with that. He he is he is showing Red Bull why why they chose him. Um, yeah, Albon. I don't. Um, sorry, what was the question about Hamilton? Yeah, uh, I think he yeah. would have got he would have got Bottas. Um, the, his tire advantage was so huge. Uh, you can just see from the run he got, even round the outside of Hamilton, he would he would have especially when he got DRS, which is so frustrating to me why you know he could have waited it's all hindsight he could have waited and might have been able to get get past easily but yeah I think he would have got Bottas the thing for me is that he ended up and we will never know I don't think we'll ever know that this was the reason whether it was the contact or not but if he had uh, an issue with his power unit like it seemed to have suggested at the end or an electronical problem can you imagine if he had got into the lead and then conked out with two laps to go uh, from his maiden victory? I think that would be a hundred times worse, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. As you say, we don't know, um, but let's let's think that it's because of the the impact. And mm. Albon would have won otherwise. Albon, Albon as well. I was thinking about this. I am gutted for him, and you, you're the same. I saw your tweet about how you know if it's you. You feel so sorry for him because he's such a likable driver. He's a brilliant driver and he's not got that podium yet. The only thing I will say is that he, the the thing that um, at least is a, a good positive spin on it, I guess, is the fact that it's not a situation like maybe Hulkenberg at Brazil in 2012 where you think he is never, ever going to get a chance like that again in a Force India to win a race. Mm. Albon's got a great future ahead of him. He's showing that he's making... You know, he's willing to make overtakes. He's only just started at Red Bull and he's already proving himself as a brilliant driver. He's in a top car. He will get that podium. He will get a win. His time will come 100%. Absolutely. Right. My three word race review now Norris realizes potential. Now, yeah, they're obviously amazing that Lando Norris got his podium. Uh, It was. Amazing to see. I think everybody had some sort of joy seeing seeing Lando on the podium, which is still very weird to say out loud because yeah. didn't expect that uh, going into Austria. Not going to lie, um, but there, I think there's there's more to it, uh, which we saw in the race. So Lando fighting off Carlos, you know, he could have easily lost that podium to his teammates again, or well, not lose it again, but 
Carlos could have been on the podium again, which would have would, which would have hit Lando hard. But no, he fought hard against Carlos to keep the position. Obviously, Sergio got past him, but then Lando did a daring move up the inside where I can't believe Sergio actually turned in on him, to be honest. Um, but an amazing move on, on Sergio. Again, the confidence under the braking, something that we didn't really see at the start of last year. Look at the start of this year, and he's a completely different man. And just generally, I think Lando's really cementing his place in Formula One with a drive like that. And to set the fastest lap of the race on the last lap to take P3 away from Lewis Hamilton, it's just, it's just what dreams are made of, I, I can imagine, for, for Lando. So that's the reason I went for, the, for that three-word race review. Would you, would you agree, Tommy? Yeah, the end was uh, a strange one. And g- going on Lando... I I notice over the winter there's a, there was this really strange um, sort of small section of Twitter that that seemed to think he's like he was really overrated and a fraud and he'd done rubbish against science. But I think into context, yeah, you done have rubbish to, against science, but beat yeah, him in qualifying. All but right, be, cool. yeah, exactly. <laughs> People seem to forget he beat him in qualifying, and also Carlos Science has been in F one as long as Verstappen, I believe, or at least nearly as long. long. Yeah, long, um, long, no, as long, longer surely. Yeah, sorry, yeah. So, like, yeah. since what, like 2015? So, yeah. coming up to, like, five years in F1, and that was Lando's rookie season, he, yes, he, he was unlucky as well, and he, had, he he didn't do incredibly well on on the points, but I think it was unfair that people were kind of claiming that he hadn't done that well. And I totally agree, I wrote this in my notes as well, that the end of Lando's race was really, really strange because when he was on the new tire at the end and just like Albon I was thinking right he's on for a podium here this is incredible I can't believe can't believe Lando's mm. in this position he's got to he's got to do it and then he got overtaken by Leclerc I think yeah he did um, yeah. and I was thinking oh god um no no offense to Leclerc I remember thinking oh are we gonna have That's like Lando's two, podium, two Mercedes yeah. and a Ferrari on the podium after all this it's um it's crazy um and then Carlos Sainz was all over the back of him, and you just think, Lando, you've you've blown your opportunity here. You, you're on fresh tyres. You're an amazing opportunity, and you just don't seem to have been able to deliver it. So I was amazed that he managed to not only fight Sainz off and stop him from coming through because they quite could have easily McLaren told him get out of the way of Sainz because he's on for a podium here. Yeah, uh, fought him off, and then just came through the pack past Perez. Which I believe he didn't even know Perez had a penalty at that point, uh, from what I heard um, mm. from uh, one of his interviews afterwards. And just that final lap, that has to be one of the coolest ways to get your first podium ever. And I'm so glad, uh, like we were saying earlier, that it was done on track in terms of they actually, and anna- you knew that he'd been on the podium when he crossed the line. It wasn't like Carlos's was where we had to find out like three or four hours after the race. It was incredible to see. And I absolutely loved, I mentioned it on my Twitter as well, how F1 put up that graphic because we have been very critical about AWS and tire graphics and all that. So credit where it's due. Them putting the the time up and you could see it. And when it was 5.7, I thought he's got absolutely no chance. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And then to put in that lap, I mean, fair play, incredible. Yeah, fastest lap of the race takes another point away from the first round of the season. And yeah, I was I was going to bring up the tweet that you mentioned anyway, but yeah, I, I completely agree. The graphics were on point 
you know, you could see it. And just, I think, as it came up with the big one, two, three, and then the, the gap chain, uh, sorry, the gap disappeared, didn't it? But I think yeah. you just saw it go to 4.9, and then you were like, oh, my God, is he going like- to get it? And then I guess it was yeah. that. I'm actually quite happy that there was that tension because then the 100%. graphic came up five seconds later, 4.8. Oh, my God, you know, full-on fist pump, everything. It was it was really good, really good from Formula One, uh, especially because they would have had to do that pretty much on the fly uh and you know mm. fire up those graphics i'm sure they were pre-prepared but it's still great to see that they they did something that definitely added to the to the element of of the suspense didn't it it, it did it was almost like watching uh, a kind of like rally time trial or almost like a qualifying lap at the end because you were just you weren't really watching a race for an overtake you were just watching a gap it, it was like he was going for like pole position or something you were yeah, just it was watching like a time this, attack or something. Yeah, it? It was time crazy. attack. And you're watching this lap going, can he do it? Can he do it? And then I love, like you say, I loved the pause that they did where it just said fastest lap. And it's like, oh my God, has he done it? Has he done yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And then it popped it up really and good. said 4.8. And yeah, me, uh, I, we were cheering at home. Like it was, it was awesome. And I imagine a lot of people, I've seen a lot of tweets and some people even, even filmed themselves reacting to it where they mm. were stood up on their seat. And that's what we love about F1, isn't it? It's, incredible yeah it's those incredible. moments oh it was it was awesome so fa- hats off even though i'm wearing a wtf1 hat um but yeah <laughs> it was it was really good to see so well done uh right next question it's gabriel underscore 21 was lando norris the driver of the weekend uh yeah i said that lando was driver of the day uh i think very closely followed by charles leclerc when you look at the onboards of sebastian vettel's car and i know they don't have the same setups but it's, it's clear that the ferrari is not a particularly good car right now and for Charles Leclerc to somehow, and he said himself, he drove one of the best races of his career. Uh, to bring that pretty much dog of a car to P2 was sensational. And I think maybe Charles Leclerc didn't get my vote for driver of the day purely from the fact that he wasn't really shown that much in the race. Whereas we saw a bit more of Lando, a bit more of the fights there. But I think Lando definitely deserved it, all being told. Um, but yeah, Charles Leclerc quite closely behind. Oh, uh, Leclerc for me was driver of the day i mean don't get me wrong the lando thing was an absolute fairy tale and those yeah no two, it's not like he just two are... in the fastest lap of the race to beat a six-time formula one world champion to the podium or anything yeah no no no, that's no, cool, no cool. exactly but uh so so yeah you drive can drive of the you weekend can... as well because lando popped it in started p3 on the grid and you're saying that charles leclerc who um didn't qualify that well yeah but i mean he well he, he qualified all right to say that he was in an absolute dog of a car but no for me Leclerc edges it just and uh, it's funny that I'm here arguing to you why Leclerc <laughs> deserves to be Look, I'm passionate um, not a fanboy yeah exactly um for me well while, while we're talking about Leclerc yeah the reason why for me Leclerc was driver of the weekend and driver of the day and and don't get me wrong it's 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 marginal just over over Lando yeah. for me but that was if we take Lando out of the equation, I think everyone would be talking about that Leclerc drive because that, for me, and this makes me sound like the fan, uh, passionate, not fanboy, but for me, that that drive from Leclerc is what makes a champion when everything's against you. He's got an absolutely horrific car. The Ferrari, let's let's be fair, is probably the fifth fastest car this year, which is unbelievable. Yeah, no, until none of us, at least, yeah. Yeah, none of us could have expected it to be that bad. And his move on Perez was absolutely incredible. Like, that, that just move. Sent, you just knew he was going to send it as yeah, well, didn't you? It was, it was Danny Rick-esque. 
And you can tell he was scarred from that particular corner last year. Yeah. So he thought yeah. he'd send it himself. I didn't even think about that, actually. Yeah. And the fact that he managed to get that car into P2, I do not know. And it's one of those drives like you see it with Vettel when he was in a Toro Rosso or Hamilton in 2019 when the McLaren was terrible that that's what makes a good champion when you can get everything out of the car when it's absolutely terrible and he could have quite easily thrown a hissy fit written off the ear and said you know we've got no hope but he managed to get that car to P2 and I think that shows incredible skill and yeah that that's the sign of a champion for me so I'm super super impressed with Charles Leclerc after that to be honest Cool, I'll accept that for sure. Uh, next bit, Mercedes strategy. Mm. At Simon Wah95, should Mercedes have let Lewis pass Bottas after the penalty was awarded? Yeah. Yeah, they definitely should have. Yeah, I, very I weird. Get, yeah, it's a weird one. It's almost as though, I don't know, because I, I was thinking that when I was watching it, but it looked like it was safe for when it first happened and, and Lando got through on Perez, it looked like it was pretty much stabilising, but then... You know, it was like five point seven. I think you mentioned Tommy, and it looked like it was quite safe. But, but yeah, Bottas, all he had to do was get out of the way. He wouldn't have won. He would still have won the race. There's no fans there. It's not like he would have cheered to the fans or something, you know, and wanted to come over the line first. And yeah, I I can't believe they haven't just said, look, Lewis isn't going to clear down the road five seconds from you. Just let him through. He needs P P three here. But just didn't happen, did it? It was it was crazy to see. Um, there's only there's only two uh, the two reasons that come into my head why they wouldn't have done it. I guess the first one, like you were saying, is perhaps they thought it was in the bag. I guess they didn't expect maybe Lando Norris to bang in a lap that was. Let's be honest, Lando's lap was a second quicker than anyone else on that final lap, which shows just how good that lap was. Yeah, and, and he, you could hear from the onboard as well, which is amazing. Where you've got the the engineer clearly sensing yeah. a podium, going, "Yeah, overtake out of turn three, overtake in turn eight, and it's really good." It, it is. Really it it shows how much the engineer guides the the driver and making sure he gets everything out of the car as well. It's really fascinating mm. to watch that. But so so there's that side of it where they probably went, oh, we really didn't expect it. And may, maybe to a lesser extent, maybe Mercedes didn't want the um, negative headlines or pointless kind of controversy out of nothing uh, mm. in the first race where people would be going, oh, well, why, why are they doing it? Even though it is a logical decision for them to get points, but maybe I the can't decision... think that they're 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 thinking about what the media are going to say about them. They just want the maximum amount of points. Sure, I, I guess yeah, because of what they did with Bottas at um, Russia two years ago, yeah. was it? Where they yeah. Did, yeah, but maybe maybe the let's be honest, it looks like the constructors' championship they're going to have that in the bag unless something ridiculous happens. Maybe it's just like. You guys just fight it out in a fair fight and do what you want, and we'll see who comes on top at the end of well, it. That, maybe. that could end in tears if that is the case, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they'll uh, they'll allow them to just to just fight and no silly team orders. At SJ Four Foe says, "Will next week see Mercedes fall back earlier on to protect the car, and will McLaren throw caution to the wind on a track they have confidence at to, to push for a double podium?" Uh, I, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Mercedes are quite clearly the fastest car around here. I think that next week, as much as I don't want to say it's going to be, I think it'll be a much more boring race. <laughs> I think yeah. Mercedes will have learned exactly what 
caused the issues this time round. And whether that is the Mercedes just taking it a bit easier on the curbs, who knows? But I think, you know, they're not going to have the same mistake again of putting their cars in a fragile position or whatever they called it. Um, and then the other one, McLaren throw caution to the wind. I don't really know what that means. McLaren didn't seem to be, they were probably the fourth fastest car on race pace and maybe third fastest car in qualifying. Uh, do you think that's fair to say, Tommy? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like they got a podium on pure pace. On merit, yeah, it was ridiculous strategy, wasn't it? Yeah, you had the Hamilton thing and the fact that the Red Bulls both retired as well. So, I think we're in a, we're in a interesting situation and probably a great situation where, in the earlier podcast, we were always talking about. I think the biggest fear and probably the biggest question we all got would would Austria produce exactly the same race twice? And now we're in the situation where if we, we have another one, if we have another one of those i will not be complaining <laughs> let's hope so let's hope it does uh, bring us an amazing race again that would be nice although i yeah i'm trying to keep it you know quite level headed and think that it's going to be a much more boring one where the mercedes takes it a little bit easier but let's see and i think they have the the gap to take it a bit easier as well and still win the race one two so i imagine we'll see a resurgent hamilton i can't imagine he'll get out qualified by bottas again but let's see mm-hmm. Um, reliability so many dnfs it felt like it was 1960 with the amount of cars that were just conking out you know there was flames coming out of some people's engines there was all sorts of stuff uh, this weekend um at tyler underscore ad 17 says do you think that the engine failures and driver errors were down to drivers not driving in months and cars have not been used in months i i mean i don't think that they've got their cars just sat in a garage collecting dust (laughs) um and well who knows who knows about the driver you know the driver techniques maybe they're they're revving too much but I, I can't imagine that is the case just purely from the fact that teams would be able to see if the drivers aren't driving to the optimum at uh, the optimum so it is a it is a strange question i don't really have the answer to because everybody just seemed to have a different problem uh, i don't know if you could shed any light tommy it is so weird isn't it i've not seen any anything online where someone said this is you know the definitive reason why we had so many dnfs it was the it was the most dns we've had since 2015 so it's been a long time and we're, we're used to kind of bulletproof f1 cars now where even if you get kind of three retirements we call it a race race of attrition so this was crazy to have so many different incidents and like you say they all seem to be different um the, the the driver thing is a funny one because it was very weird that did, did you see the thing that Max Verstappen hadn't driven a Formula One car since testing because he yeah couldn't he couldn't he didn't do the shakedown do it, did he? didn't do the shakedown or anything so when he got into the car in FP one that was the first time he'd driven and I guess all the other people were doing things like filming days so surely it it does seem too coincidental that you have a how long has it been since testing five months four months a four month gap where testing they were testing and then a four month gap where they're not allowed to test and then all the cars retire like a lot of the cars retire that must be to do with that gap surely and the fact that maybe maybe even the fact that they were prepared for australia like preparing the cars for australia and then you get to austria and we know what austria is like with the curbs ripping the cars apart and they just weren't ready for it. I, I'm really interested to see what how many cars finish this weekend, to yeah, be honest, and see too. if there is a, a trend 
uh, with this with this track. And obviously, we had a a, a, a tire failure for uh, Kvyat, which clearly that was to do with the curbs. Um, mm. oh, yeah. You said, oh. No, I said, yeah. Uh, oh, I think he said, got pushed wide I thought you were about to, tell, about to disagree with me. I was like, no, okay. No, no. And Kimmy is the same. He ran over some debris, I think, uh, they were looking at, which caused his tyre to just fall off, which is which weird. Is ridiculous. But hopefully we have another race for Trish, and it definitely spices things up a little bit, and maybe some rain. Who knows? Let's uh, let's do a little rain dance and hope maybe we get a different <laughs> variable to, to throw everything up. Um, at Vermeer Maria says, do you think that Verstappen would have won the race if he didn't have the mechanical issue? It's very hard to say, isn't it? Because the race was so topsy-turvy. It depended where you were on the track in terms of pitting to get a new set of tyres, which obviously uh, Albon, Norris, etc. were able to do. So it really depends depends on how far up the field Verstappen was. If he was fighting with the Mercedes, then he probably would have been in that same pool where he'd have to stay on the same tyres. Or if he was on the medium strategy and went for softs, he may have had to pit again, but then, you know, fallen further down. So it's it's difficult to say. Uh, but I would imagine if Verstappen was in Albon's shoes with those soft tyres, he would have won the race. Yeah, I agree with that. It's too hard. It's too hard to say, yes, he definitely would have won the race. We we were, um, luckily the race was so good because we were robbed of that Verstappen fight with the Mercedes where it would have been really interesting to see how he came into play with his different tyre strategy. Yeah. But you never know, maybe that happens next week as well and they try it again. Who knows indeed. Uh, and finally, another point, Ferrari power. Very, very strange. Not, well, uh, is it strange? <laughs> or do we all just kind of know the answer and we're all just sat here like, yeah, I mean, the engine, clearly. You know, the, the signed, sealed, delivered document about the engine and whatever was agreed. Clearly, there was something fishy going on last year. But uh, at Filippo0522 says, thoughts on the notable, diff- notable difference between Sebastian and Charles's car? Yeah, obviously, clearly we saw the onboard of Sebastian's car was was dreadful. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's, it's doing the rounds on social media. But that also tells me that Sebastian hasn't set his car up correctly. So as much as people are giving him sympathy, oh, my God, you know, I can't believe he's able, you know, able to only have spun once with that. You know, the car's such a dog. Then you've got Charles Leclerc finishing P2. And as much as people go, they're not the same car, they they have the same equipment. Just Charles Leclerc has set his car up differently in order for the car to react better to the track. So for me, I don't have as much sympathy because it is the same equipment. They have the same cars. It's yeah. just that they've set up the car differently and Sebastian went the wrong way, clearly. I don't I don't buy this whole ridiculous, oh, um, especially because there seems to be, and again, this is going to the point where you're, you you share screenshots. People, people share one... 30 second clip of Vettel where he makes two lockups and then share another clip of Charles Leclerc where he's lunging up the inside of Perez and go look they're different cars it's like you don't know what lap they're on you don't know what tires they're on you don't know what conditions they're they're in and I don't we've said this so many times there's absolutely no way a team would sabotage their own car We've we've yeah. had ironically we've had this at Red Bull when it was Weber getting sabotaged and Vettel was being favoured and the they were supposedly it, sabotaging it and stuff which they weren't doing. So it's just it like you say it would wouldn't surprise me if they just built their entire car around Charles, especially which we we now know that they were never going to sign Vettel, which obviously caused a bit of controversy, mm. but. 
perhaps they just built the entire car around um, Charles. Yeah, we know Charles's that Seb yeah, has struggled. We know Seb struggled with the new kind of. Let's let's be honest. He was one of the greatest of all time when he was in that Red Bull, and he has had his moments, but he hasn't been the same driver in the hybrid era for whatever reason. So mm. he just is just struggling more than Charles in that car, and that does happen in F one. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that that point's really, really notable with the fact that you know Charles Leclerc is Ferrari's future star. Sebastian's leaving the team. So whatever Charles Leclerc wants from this new car is what he'll get. So, yeah, and, and clearly Sebastian, as much as, as you say, one of the greatest of all time, four-time F1 world champion, you can never take that away from him. His adaptability to the new, these new cars is something that will always stop him from being spoken about as one of the greatest of all time because mm. the best of the best were able to... And Lewis Hamilton is a prime example of this. He's won in every era of formula one car that he's driven in pretty much so that's why yeah. hamilton in a lot of people's eyes and mine is will always be above sebastian because of that you know as much it's like on his day like jensen button on his day is one of the best on track fine but it's the the drivers that can turn up on every day when it's not their day and still get podiums get a p2 for Charles, for example so yeah, yeah that's my two exactly. points on it yeah exactly it's it it pains me to watch because Sebastian is um, clearly a lovely guy, a fantastic champion, yeah. and you hear so many amazing stories of him off track as well. And I'm pleading for him to do well, like especially if this could be his last season in F1. You want it mm. to go well. You don't want him to be spinning with all the spinyala jokes and stuff. You want him to succeed and do well and have amazing races and take a win or something, but he just isn't for whatever reason, isn't that same driver he used to be in the Red Bull days. And it is it is painful to watch. And it is crazy to also think that this, we may have already seen, and I saw this on Twitter, forgive me, I can't remember who tweeted it, we may have seen Sebastian Vettel's last win in Formula One already wow, yeah. because of how bad the Ferrari is right now. Oof, we don't know. Like, that yeah. is weird to think, isn't it? It is strange. And you have to think that Ferrari aren't going to get realistically get a crazier race than that and they still didn't win so mm. it's very unlikely that we're going to see a ferrari win this year if they're the fifth fastest car unless they bring some major upgrades or miraculously well hopefully get hopefully hungary will back. be a step in the right direction and then they can start fighting for podiums at least but mm. who knows they stay you know they're hyping up hungary and that is really if they don't improve a huge amount then yeah Goodness me, it's not going to look good. Anyway, uh, at Viper, Viper says, should teams like Haas and Alfa Romeo look at other options for engine suppliers? I mean, Yikes. clearly, <laughs> because they're, they're at the back of the field, Haas and Alfa Romeo, uh, when they were absolutely laughing last year with how good their engine was. Yeah. And now uh, they're rubbish. So obviously they're going to have to look into Excuse other me. options. Oh, what was that? Sorry, I just sneezed. Oh, okay, lovely. I forgot you can't um, see me. I thought you just went, Ooh. I was like, okay, wow, Ooh. you feel really strongly about this Hassan Alfa Romeo. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, obviously it depends what en- other engine suppliers are on the table for them. It's, it, you know, it's not as simple as a plug and play for some teams. So, um, And Hassan Alfa Romeo, I'm sure, don't have the huge amount of money to to play around with. So who knows? And, Al- and Alfa Romeo are part of Ferrari. Yeah, and so the, yeah they they're never going yeah, exactly, to be associated Alfa will never... Yeah. yeah, never goes anywhere um, else. It's oh, it's it's mad, isn't it? I mean, Ferrari have admitted now that they're 0.7 seconds slower 
of lap time on the straights alone to Mercedes. I saw I saw a lot of um, people trying to justify um, that oh Ferrari just built a bad car, but the fact that if you look at the the speed differential between um the lap times and the fact that it was ferrari has an alpha was significantly slower than last year and yes it's it's all right saying oh well they're not all last in the speed traps but there's something there it's too coincidental yeah and everyone let, let's be honest everyone knows it and they've even i know some of the media this weekend um tried to kind of poke red bull and go oh this is funny isn't it and they've almost been like yeah we know they they, they don't want to come out and say it but i think everyone secretly just knows yeah that that's the reason isn't it let's be honest yeah and also cause... someone made it sorry someone made a good chance that uh if they don't improve they're gonna have a absolutely horrific italian grand prix at monza this year if their Crazy. engine is 0.7 seconds a lap slower they're gonna be yeah, they're going to be. They might even struggle to be in the points. So, yeah. what a difference a year makes, eh? Or mm. just over a year, anyway. But uh, right, Crazy. here we go. Then uh, we're going to put this into post because we don't have any means of playing this in real life because we haven't had it. We haven't done it since last year, eh, Tommy? It's, I know. it's been it, well. My goodness me, it's been a long time coming. But now it's time for. Now it's time for. Okay, here we go then. Let's dive straight into it. Mercedes, we're going to go from the top. Lovely. Hamilton, Lewis, what are we going to rate Lewis Hamilton for his... I'm going to give him... C. C. Yeah, 100%. Lovely, get out of my head. A rare, a rare kind of off weekend for Hamilton. It's rare, isn't it, that Hamilton um, gets beaten by a driver or ends up in contact with people and stuff um and i know people will now be screaming you said it was a racing incident but i'm not saying it's not totally his him to blame but yeah. it, it's very rare and it al- almost seemed that it's rare that you get one hamilton mistake and there seemed to be you know a fair a fair few in that race where couldn't get past bottas had the grid penalty we've not even mm. mentioned that he sp- uh, sped under yellow flags in the qualifying which gave him a penalty. So, yeah, really, really odd from Hamilton. And there was some footage going around as well about Hamilton having um, sped under double-waved yeah. yellows as well. Which Oh, did you watch gone... that? Yeah, he gained like two seconds on Bottas. <laughs> yeah, he was nowhere near Bottas and then ended up right on his tail. So... But then I saw lots of people saying that Bottas just slowed a significant amount and the drivers behind were pretty much the same pace as Hamilton. Okay. And and then I think Magnussen or someone didn't slow down at all. So, um, yeah, I think it was Bottas slowing down a huge amount or something. But that, that's what I read anyway. So, yeah. uh, okay, let's go with C for Hamilton. Bottas, let's go with an A star. A. No, A. Why? Why not an A star? Because Pole he... race led every single lap. He He got, yeah, he got pole just and kind of spun off. Uh, on his second lap which you kind of you, you yeah, never know that's, if Hamilton that's had a cheeky Nico run. Rosberg from Monaco type vibes yeah okay so maybe he's uh yeah this is 99 nah, awareness he, isn't it he was a 10th up he was about to boom it uh, um, that's what he said anyway we didn't yeah. say boom it but. <laughs> um he did how can you not give him an a star because he, he didn't have the 
same pace. Like once Hamilton had got through yeah. the field, Hamilton caught him up from like Quickly, seven yeah. seconds to, and I genuinely, you know, people will be calling me a fanboy now, even though I'm definitely not a Hamilton fanboy. Um, he would have, I think it would have been gone down to the wire between Hamilton and Bottas and they, we would have had yeah. a nice fight between them. I don't think Bottas had a big head start and Hamilton still caught him up. So I don't think it was the perfect race. For him. But how do you measure that when we know that Bottas's car was <laughs> was more fragile than Lewis's? Um, you know, he was suffering with some problems. They both were. Uh, so, mm. you know, you, you don't know the ins and the outs, but I guess we were given that information that Mercedes... Anyway, we should, we're not supposed to go in this deep into ABCD F1. Uh, a. Give, a, okay, fine, whatever, <laughs> A, fine. A, a and a half a star. Uh, Charles Leclerc, let's give him an A. A star, that's definitely an A star. star. Yeah, 100%. Almost okay. perfect. It, again, like, A star is perfect, and I, yeah. what more could he have done? What Win the race. race. Win the race. Uh, in no. that, oh, yeah. <laughs> in that tractor. Yeah. I think it's difficult, yeah, as I say... Yeah, I think Charles Leclerc. It's difficult to give an A star to a Ferrari driver who finishes P two after a rubbish qualifying, but then you I have know, to change your expectations and your reality to what is actually going on there. So yeah, A star. Okay, we're in twenty we're in twenty fourteen again. Remember the Ferrari, essentially. Yes, yeah, they're they're, they're the dogs, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, Sebastian Vettel. Uh, oh, oh, let's D. give him it's... A and an F. Oh, I don't know. Uh, oh, God, he was pretty bad, wasn't he? He literally it's E. Went, he finished tenth. Yeah, he spun, he spun as well. And people, I, I saw he some got, comments. He got knocked like, out in Q2. Yeah, knocked out in Q2. Didn't seem near the pace of Charlotte. He did catch up, but then just, again, these errors, it just turns him into a meme and it's so disappointing okay, e. to see. Yeah, we'll go E. E. I think F2-ish yeah. because the, yeah. the Ferrari is horrible. It is horrible. Um, Max Verstappen, quite difficult to obviously rate because he conked out, but... <sighs> I mean, he did nothing wrong. I think we should still try and grade because I think a. ungradable when you look at it over the season actually ruins their scores quite a lot. So we have to give it up until the point if they if they did actually go. For yeah, I'm a hundred. I'm a hundred percent on that actually. Um, um, so a. let's let's go with uh, B. A A B. What did I mean? What what more could he have done? Yeah, he, he started he second. Started second. Kept the position. Yeah, kept uh, the position, um, and it would have been really interesting to see where he'd have. He'd have made up. So yeah, yeah, I let's think go with A. Uh, Alex Alban. Oh, heartbreak. I think uh, he his his pace wasn't actually that great. You no. know, he, he he struggled in qualifying. He managed to eventually get a good lap in. Um, but I think for me, it's no more than a than a B. If yeah. if because People... again, like, he had the soft tires, so he looked amazing. But in reality, his pace wasn't actually that great compared to Max this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Although I will uh, give him give him credit that there was a stage, maybe it was Q1 or free practice, I can't remember, where I was thinking, oh, yikes, Albon's way off Verstappen here. This mm. is a worry. And then he did step it up in qualifying and did look a lot more, uh, a lot closer to Max than he did last year. Did you just year. log into our WTF1 Twitter, by the way, Tommy, just as a separate side thought, I just got a notification saying someone's logged into WTF1. Oh, that might be um, new login on Chrome. Ah, uh, be Corey. That's fine. Oh, okay, fine. Just wanted to check that we're not getting hacked mid podcast. Uh, oh, wait, right, uh, Mac Chrome. No, that's me. That that'll be. Uh, that's downstairs. you. You've yeah. just logged in. Brilliant. Anyway, moving on. Uh, <laughs> 
So Alex Alban, we're giving a B. B, yeah. I think people yeah. would be screaming and now going, why is he a B? Because he got driver of the day. But let's be honest, like like you say, on the on the rational side of things, it's a B. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Sainz, I think it's a solid B from the lad. Maybe yeah. an A. Actually, no, B. No, Didn't B. have a great qualifying. Yeah. Strangely, um, yeah, it looked like he was gonna. It was gonna be a repeat of last year, where Carlos is better in the race and Lando is better in qualifying. But mm. no, strange. Carlos was, uh, and this is not even the whole camera joke, but was kind of anonymous a little bit in that race. Um, so yeah, B. Lando Sorry. Norris, A star. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, A star. Podium, amazing qualifying. Fell away a little bit at the start of the race, but then brought it back. And yeah, sensational from the lad. Well done. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, well, he he DNF'd. He was beating Ocon um, yeah. pretty comprehensively over the weekend, it has to be said. Yeah. I'd give so, him a B. A B? B, yeah. Yeah, and Ocon, I kind of want to oh. give him a D. Yeah. Just purely from the fact that I was quite disappointed with his pace. D for disappointment. I 100% agree with you. I, I, I was convinced Ocon was going to be really good. And let, let's be honest, it's the first race. But yeah. I, he was my, in terms of, especially qualifying, he was the biggest disappointment for me. Mm. I could not believe he, he was down behind the Alpha Tauris, wasn't he, or something? He was, yeah, yeah, yeah nowhere. 14, really disappointing. So, yeah, yeah hope he, hopefully yeah. he'll come back stronger. It's the same racetrack, so there's no excuse <laughs> yeah. this time. Um, he, he's already had a practice go. That's, uh, I think he finished like eighth in the end, didn't he, or something ridiculous? Yeah, but it was a is... lucky, it was kind of, it was a, it was, through attrition wasn't it rather yeah than... yeah he wouldn't have finished anywhere near eighth had uh, people not conked out uh pierre gasly Ooh. quite anonymous i think oh there he did very i mean he's smashed kvyat and mm. he, he finished seventh did he again I anonymous seeing him you don't really you didn't really see him and again I, I think it's a solid b in terms of that he drove yeah. a good race and he Being wasn't his teammate yeah and he, he got a nice chunk of points it's funny that I can't remember and can't be bothered to look, but I think he is. It's funny that he finishes seventh in a pretty woeful car, and he probably finished about seventh last year in the Red Bull, didn't he? So, yeah, <laughs> he crazy. loves that. He loves that Alpha Tower, doesn't he? Mm. It's it's crazy. This must be something about that team with the pressures off. He can really push the car to to how he likes, or maybe just the Red Bull never suited him. Who knows? Yeah. Um, okay, and then Daniel Kvyat. D. If he was trouncing him, then it has to be a D, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Disappointing. Uh, Sergio Perez, yeah, he had a pretty good, pretty good race. It has to be said. I think. I'd, I'd... What was his? Oh, B-O-A. I've forgotten what his um, penalty was for. Uh, speeding in the pit lane. Speed, yeah, you can't give him an A for speeding in the pit no, lane. That's a B rookie. Then. Yeah, B. I'm dis- rookie slightly era. disappointed. I thought he'd be on the the podium, but yeah, B. B. Not B's disappointed fair. because Lando ended up there, so all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then he he got passed by Lando anyway, so he wouldn't have been on the. Um, Lando, uh, Lando Stroll, Lance Stroll. Oh. Uh, it's <laughs> L-A-N. Give me a chance. Uh, Lance Stroll. I mean, I thought he had a pretty good weekend yeah. in terms of qualifying. You know, he wasn't knocked out in Q1. He got all the way to Q3. And wasn't it was there or thereabouts, wasn't he, until it's hard to, ended. It's hard to judge as well because he had engine problems pretty much from the start of the race and was dropping yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. But and he fell It would have been really interesting. I want to give him a B. Oh, I'd say C. I don't think you can give him a, a B. Really? No. Come C. on. <laughs> be nice. Be okay, nice. Okay, C. All right, C. Uh, 
Uh, Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio oh. Giovinazzi, I kind of want to just rate as one whole entity and just give no, them both these. No, no, no. No? Definitely not. Why? Uh, Raikkonen was useless in that race. I'm sorry, Kimi fans, but... They were both useless. Giovinazzi ended up eighth, which I guess was getting on tyres at the end, but, I mean, he is up against a world champion, albeit he's not the okay. man he used to be. I'd give right, Raikkonen well, a D and Giovinazzi B... C? Okay. Maybe a B. Yeah, a B. All right. If you finish... Okay. All right. I, I take it back. Uh, I, I just remember in the race where they were both kind of fighting each other for 27th and it just was quite uninspiring. The, but I guess really Giovinazzi has done well and, and come back through. So, yeah. all right. Well, I agree with that then. Okay. Giovinazzi B, Raikkonen D. Uh, well, <laughs> Magnussen and... Well, actually, Magnussen, I want to give... Uh, C. C and Grosjean an F. Yeah, because Grosjean, yeah, I mean... Although I don't know how much of that was car issues because the, the, the second time he went off was definitely car issue, wasn't it? He lost brakes just like Magnussen did. Yeah, because it was funny because he was just going on his own little trip around uh, Austria, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was just going everywhere. <laughs> right, did... Maybe an E for Grosjean then. Let's have a look. Did Magnussen... I mean, Grosjean actually out... Did he out-qualify Magnussen? Wow, I didn't know that. Um, so it's a difficult one. Yeah, to, he did, didn't he? Magnussen got knocked out in Q1 and Grosjean made it to Q2, no? Yeah, so... Oh, they're so hard to do. But Grosjean um, had such a bad race. Yeah, he did. I reckon D for Grosjean, C for Magnussen. Okay. Where did yeah. Magnussen finish? Uh, well, he had the brake issue as well. And went oh, yeah, he did, off. yeah, and then spun and then caused a safety car. Lovely. Yeah. Um, okay, C for Magnussen, D for Grosjean. Okay, uh, and then finally, the Williams pair, Russell Latifi. Oh, George Heartbreak Russell. for Russell. He would have, yeah, because he was fighting the Alpha, uh, sorry, I can't say that anymore, Alpha Romeos. Yeah. And Giovinazzi ended up eighth, so goodness knows where he might have ended up. Gutting. Yeah. Absolutely gutting. Sad uh, to see. Mm. And obviously he, he had an electronics issue, I think, didn't he, Russell? So yeah. A. I want. I want to give him an A. Yeah, it was. He qualified solid... both Alfa Romeos and almost. He was in seven one hundredths, wasn't it? Yeah, he was point zero zero three off Magnussen and only point zero seven off Grosjean getting into Q two. So he nearly got into Q two. Yeah, he had a banger of a weekend. A for yeah, Russell, hundred percent, and I think C for Latifi. Yeah, just agreed. it just feels like anybody that comes up against George Russell is going to have a very hard time. Hmm. He nearly got points, but let's be honest, it was nothing to do with... Um, <laughs> he was the last any... of the finishes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't anything to do... You can't just give him points because... But yeah, he he did... Um, it, was, it was like... It was just nothing special, was it? No, it's nothing debut. special, but good to see that he actually finished the race. Didn't have any yeah. stupid errors. Like, he, he crashed, obviously, in practice, didn't he, in FP3. And, and importantly now, Williams ahead of Red Bull in the World Championship. Who'd have thought? Madness. Mm. All right, carrying on, Austrian Grand Prix predictions. So I said a racing polifi- a racing polifight? <laughs> a racing point qualifies in the top five. Oh, no. Maybe no, they were sixth, wasn't it? Yeah. The Damn funny, it! Yeah, the funny thing is that was that whole prediction, because I only went for that as well, and it was all going to be how they'd, um, they'd do it because they'd beat Ferrari, and they beat Ferrari, but then... Suddenly, McLaren were just and then rapid. McLaren came out of nowhere. Yeah, sixth. Wow. And then oh, Albon and... first podium. God damn it! In fact, even worse. This is even worse for you. Perez 
set exactly the same qualifying time as Albon in fifth. Oh, he did as well, sixth. didn't he? But he said it first. Oh, for God's sake. I've been <laughs> robbed of two points there. That's so funny. Albon first podium. Shocker. And then that. Ah, oh, damn it. Right, Tommy, you're two. Uh, commentator calls AlphaTauri Toro Rosso, which Brundle did in practice. So I'm having that. I mean, that was always going to be a easy Oh, point. and then Bottas wins. Bottas wins. Ugh. That's a two-pointer from you. <laughs> yeah. That's disgusting. Screw you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not competitive. It's fine. Oh, I need to check my fantasy team, actually. I have to do that Uh, after this. I haven't done that. Right, fans. uh, Has Craig 16 says points for Russell. So close. We laughed that. We laughed that off. Yeah, we laughed that. We were like, wow, come on. Although, to be fair, it was race of attrition, wasn't it? Yeah. And Mr. Random Guy 15. Verstappen will retire in a collision with Leclerc after getting a puncture trying to do the same move he did to him last year. No. You you played yourself. Too specific. Too specific, unless you're me from last know, year. Know the rules. Come on. Yeah, you've got to be me. Right, Styrian Grand Prix predictions, Austria part two. Uh, I went for Hamilton dominates and Verstappen DNF again. Oh, that hurts me, but I was going to pick that until you had really? it. So, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can see that happening, unfortunately. I already, I'm, I've already written Verstappen off as a title contender now after that DNF. Yeah, like, sad, isn't it? it? He needed that momentum. Anyway, your two. Uh, Perez podium this time. This time he's going to get it. And okay. Bottas will win again. Oh, Porridge 2.0, Porridge. 5.0, 7.0. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to see it so then we can see Hamilton really come back because we've seen this Hamilton, this side of Hamilton where you know he looks at Bottas and goes, get in my back pocket. Y- yeah. You know that. Don't you? He's, he's not afraid of him as much as I don't think he was with Rosberg. I think Rosberg kept him on a different kind of edge. Whereas I feel like he, yeah, he's not particularly phased by Bottas. But I think if, if Bottas gets a few wins under his belt and gets a healthy lead, Hamilton might have to step up a gear in in many ways and, and how he also views Bottas. I don't know if you agree with that, Tommy. But. I do. And it's really interesting, isn't it, that <laughs> while we're gutted that Mercedes look to be back to 2014 spec Mercedes where they're just miles ahead of everyone, not necessarily the worst thing in the world if it means that it's just those two going for the title and we get a proper title fight if Bottas can step it up. So we shall see. Yeah, I'm happy for that. I'm happy for a Bottas versus Hamilton. As long as there is that, it's all good. Uh, Fans, Marcus Soholm says there will only be one retirement and the Josh of Wades. Albon absolutely sends it into Hamilton on the opening lap. I would love to see that as well. Uh, Well, let's hope for it. Let's maybe not hope for the one retirement. I think that's, that's... Definitely not happening uh, after this weekend. And, uh, well, let's see. That is it. We're done. We're finished. We have summed up the first Grand Prix in over 217 days. It feels amazing, doesn't it, Tommy? It does. I'm I'm so happy about that. I cannot believe what a race we had. And, yeah, what what a first podcast to uh, to do. Over an hour-long podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, watching and listening. Make sure to give us five stars if you're listening on any audio platform. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube if you enjoyed it. Let us know in the comments section below uh, who you think is going to win next time for the Styrian Grand Prix. Any comments from, uh, I'm sure, the Alban Hamilton move, etc. I look forward to reading those. And until next time, we'll see you for, well, the Styrian Grand Prix in only a few days' time. Indeed. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Bye, Tommy. I'm I'm waving at you now. Bye. I'm waving at you. Bye. Bye, 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 bye